You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is a weekend. Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to EVH and Gear TV. We are live. Tonight I'm joined by an incredible bassist. Yes, I said bassist, but we're going to see there's just more than just bass behind this fellow. How you doing? We have Brad Russell. Hey, Eric, what's up? Not too much, man. I'm really happy to have you here. We, You and I have been talking for, I'm going to say, close to about almost a year would you say is that close to that yeah yeah i'd say that's right fantastic well first of all um brad sent me in a demo a while back and i i don't want to say demo it was a cover of eddie van halen's spanish fly and uh it blew me away and as we've seen here a lot of the van halen fans uh that have been watching you know some of these other musicians coming up like uh derek shrinian doing a cover of spanish fly and he's done eruption he's done all these kind of crazy things too on instruments that you would not think and it's just so cool to see this kind of stuff and that's how we discovered each other but before we get into all the fun stuff like that and uh, what everyone's coming to to see tonight i'd like to maybe just some people that are watching that may not know you as a bassist uh if you could kind of give us a bit of uh, background on yourself you know kind of where you grew up where you are now kind of thing and maybe when you got into music and uh, just kind of warm up to let people know who you are oh sure well, first off, I want to say thank you for inviting me to do this interview. It's an honor, um, considering all the different people that you've had on your show. So no problem. I'm, I'm nervous. No problem. <laughs> I'm honored to have you. It's like, oh, there's like a lot of my heroes, you know. So, um, so yeah, thanks, man. This my, is great. My pleasure. No problem. I'm honored to have yeah. you. Uh, so I grew up where I'm at right now, but I've moved around many times. But I'm I grew up in uh, the Detroit area. Um, and uh, came from a family of musicians. My two older brothers are musicians. My father was a bass player and a drummer. And although my mother didn't play an instrument, she probably should have. She's seen some of the greatest jazz legends. Um, I mean, she's like a walking encyclopedia of jazz history. She's seen Charlie Parker and uh, Oscar Peterson and uh, Stan Getz. And so I grew up... Uh, in a musical family. So becoming a doctor or a lawyer or a stockbroker was not in the cards for me. (laughs) In some ways I wish it had been, you know, Uh, my bank account wishes it had been, but, um, it was just kind of a natural thing. I mean, you kind of hear this saying, you don't choose music, it chooses you. And that may sound corny, but it's actually true. I mean, it was just a natural thing. So I grew up, you know, um, as a little kid singing with my brothers and their band. And, um, um, my brother, Kevin is a great guitar player. My brother, Brian is a great drummer. So I just kind of slid right in there. And then a little later on, I picked up the bass in junior high school, but I started on the, um, the upright bass. So I, um, I kind of like when I started the bass, I, I kind of started like very formally and, and very disciplined and went right into studying classical music. So um, my training on the bass, you know, I had formal training right from the beginning, but I had musical experience as a singer and played a little guitar and all that before just by ear. Okay. But when I actually chose the bass, it was like a very serious thing. And I went 
um, kind of the classical route uh, all throughout my um, teen years. I studied classical, didn't really play the electric bass till I was around 18, 17. 17. So I just kind of did a crash course and um, kind of had to play catch up in, in a way, even though that seems young still. Um, my brothers had started playing when they were like five years old. So by 17, I was like an old man already. It was like a late, <laughs> late starter, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. And then I, you know, I, I was growing up in Detroit. I mean, it was impossible not to be influenced by Motown and, and, um, but also the, the whole rock scene, uh, Grand Funk Railroad, Edgar, even though Edgar Winter wasn't from Detroit, um, that era of like Grand Funk, that soulful sure. rock and roll was a big part of uh, Bob Seger and all that stuff. And then, um, and I combined that with listening to classical. Um, so I had kind of an interesting background. I mean, I was very, I just liked music. I liked everything. Um, but I learned to read early on and I learned, to, you know, I took lessons and all that. So I, I was uh, very disciplined um, and then I carried that over later on when I started playing rock and, and you know, other uh, types of music. I just kind of carried that discipline on. Um, yeah. And then after high school, I went to music school. I went to the University of Miami. which was a great music school. Um, I was really into a lot of fusion stuff, too. And I dug Pat Metheny and I love Steve Morris. And nice. Steve Morris, both those guys went to the University of Miami. And, of course, Jacob Astorius. Yeah, uh, actually taught there for a little while. So um, I also went to Berkeley just for a minute, but I didn't it didn't really not Berkeley, but Boston wasn't really my thing. So, uh, yeah, I went to Miami and it was a great experience, man. I, I would jam with guys. We'd, we'd be playing Van Halen and and then I'd be playing like Miles Davis stuff, you know, in the same day. So it was a it was really cool. And being a bass player. Uh, playing electric and upright, I was able to kind of cross over into these different worlds. And I never really thought about it like, oh, you know, it, I'm, I should stick to this or stick to that. I just kind of did it all. Um, but I was always attracted to like rock with, you know, with, with chops mm -hmm. I mean, because being from the classical thing, it was like, you know, you had to have a, a certain amount of technique to be a classical musician. It's just, it's just uh, essential. So when I, you know, when I heard Eddie Van Halen, it was like, you know, and the fact that he had had a classical background as a kid on piano, um, and you could hear it in his playing, you know, so um, that attracted me. That was really cool to me. So, so that was it, man. You know, I went to music school, and then I did a bunch of gigs playing all kinds of different types of music, and and um, from there I went out to California from Miami to California, I hooked up with uh, Mike Varney. Oh, right on. His, uh, Shrapnel Records, yeah. Um, he put me in the spotlight column in Guitar Player Magazine like a gazillion years ago. Cool. I don't even want to say when. Sure. Because um, when I think about it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm old. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, Varney was like producing all the, the cool guitar players. And, yep. um, and that's the first time I saw Billy Sheehan was in a spotlight column of uh, guitar player magazine um so i started doing recordings for mike varney you know but he started a blues label so um at first i was a little bit like oh man i wanted to do the shred stuff but i got to play with some really cool you know uh, i recorded with rick derringer and pat travers and did a rec compilation with leslie west and um 
John Butcher and Frank Marino and uh, yeah, all kinds of cool stuff. Jeff Watson from Night Ranger. I did a couple of his solo records and every Monday night I do a blues jam with my brother Kevin and Neil Schoen from Journey and I'm, I'm like 22 years old and Man. I'm playing with Neil Schoen from Journey every Monday night. What a thrill. It was kind of surreal. I guess. Um, yeah, and I auditioned for David Lee Roth and Ozzy and Alice Cooper all in this short amount of time when I first moved out to California. I did a lot not of that, that was through Mike Farney. I auditioned for David Lee Roth when Jason Becker was in the band. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, obviously, I didn't get the gig, but um, it was a great experience. All of those were great experiences. Man, I'm, I'm quite surprised. I mean, I know James Lamenta was playing with him for some time, and I got to see that tour. Uh, yeah, that there. was after I auditioned. Yeah, yeah no, James is great. And actually, I... Ray Luzer, the drummer Ray Luzer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a good band, great band, phenomenal band. But I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know why he didn't get the gig, but I mean, certainly chop-wise. I mean, I would think, let's say, let's say um, you know, the, the David Lee Roth band with Billy Sheehan and Steve Vai, and let's just say Billy um, exited, and, and the band was still going, and they needed, well, they, they did exit, but I mean, um, I could I could see you making a seamless transition to that band and still offer something unique, but that's just cool. Did that's you, what I thought, too. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a chance to, did you audition with Dave, or was it more with uh, his people and musical well, directors and stuff like a, that? I have, if nothing else, these auditions make great stories, man. <laughs> it's like, I had like, some of the craziest auditions. Um, so I got the David Lee Roth audition and the Ozzy audition right, literally a day apart mm. from each other. Monday, David Lee, uh, Tuesday, Ozzy. Jeez. Right? Yep. I'm like, you know, I'm in my early 20s. I mean, it's like, now, I, I loved Ozzy, but Van Halen, like, that was my band. So sure. I was so nervous when I, I remember at the time I was with my girlfriend and we were eating breakfast before their audition was at David Lee Roth's house in Pasadena, California. And I couldn't even eat. I almost threw up. I was so nervous. And my girlfriend was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, you don't understand. This is like, for some people, this would be like auditioning for the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or something. This is my Beatles and Led Zeppelin. Yeah. This is like, so once I got, you know, once the bass gets in my hands, the, the nerves kind of go away. But up to there, I was just like, oh, my God. So, yeah, I did the audition at Greg Bissonette. Um, the thing was is that they had um, they had already pretty much chosen a guy to, for the band. But uh, Mike Varney had said the way that Jason Becker got in, one of the things he did was he made his own demo tape. Okay. doing his own versions of some of the songs that he had to, to learn with it. Back then it was the drum machine and I had the little Fostex cassette thing. Yeah. Four track. So, so I did that. I, I programmed drums to Panama and Yankee Rose, uh, uh, for teacher. And then I played the guitar parts as best as I could, uh, on bass with, with a rock man amp, you know, <laughs> like that. <laughs> You know, doing the Eddie intro, right? Yep. And then I played the bass part also. Yeah. Um, so I basically gave them like rhythm tracks without vocals. Um, and Greg Bissonnette called me and he said, we were so impressed with your demo. We have to give you an audition, but we want to let you know, you know, we almost pretty much have made our mind up. But now after hearing your tape, we want you to come down. So 
at that time, now, at my age now, I would listen to him and, and hear it exactly how he said it. That at that time, being in your early 20s and idolizing Van Halen, I was like, oh my God, I got the gig. I'm going to yeah. get the gig. Yeah. So I went down and it was, a, it, you know, I went down and I auditioned and it was, uh, it was Greg Bissonette and, and Jason Becker and I believe the keyboardist was Brett Tuggle. Yeah, that's right. Name. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, I think so. And, um, and myself... And no Dave. And I was like, I saw a VHS camera set up in the corner pointing at me mm-hmm. on a tripod. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I drove I drove from San Francisco to L.A. to play to a video camera. I'm like, <laughs> uh. Yeah, so that's so kind I'm, of a... I'm starting to get closer. a little bummed. I'm like, sure. I'm like, okay, you can't get like this. Come on. This is this is it. Like, So I did the audition. And um, halfway through... Greg Bissonette kept smiling at me and, and saying that he really liked what I was doing. And halfway through, I kind of sensed someone standing be, like behind me this way. And I turned around and David Lee Ross right there eating an apple. And he was in big <laughs> overhauls. I'll never forget. And he had a big grin on his face, which, you know, that's, that's better than not having that's a That's right. And uh, he said, you play a mean bass. So, um, you know, I was kind of like... You know, that's that's pretty good. So we finished the audition. And now the story gets even more interesting. My girlfriend at the time, we had a rental car and she had gone off somewhere and was supposed to come back and pick me up. They said it, the audition would be about an hour and um, she's nowhere to be found. And this is before cell phone. Yeah. So I can't text her or anything. I'm like, where did she go? So they say, well, you can't really hang out down here, but you can hang in the backyard and and Dave's he has a gazebo in the backyard. So I'm sitting there by myself in David Lee Roth's house in his backyard in his gazebo. And who comes out and sits right next to me? <laughs> this is like a weird dream. I'm like, I'm sitting in a gazebo in the backyard of David Lee Roth's house with David Lee Roth. And I'm just kind of sitting there feeling kind of awkward and very nervous. And he says, so... He says, what's your schedule look like for the next few months or for the next year? Mm -hmm. And somehow I was able to, the nerves were able to break and I go, hmm, I go, I got to check my book. Hang on, Dave. Let me see. (laughs) And then then I laughed. I go, I'm kidding, man. I said, my schedule for you, my schedule is all, I'm ready to go. Like right to yesterday, I was ready to go. My schedule is your schedule. Yeah. So he said, you'll be hearing from us. So, you know, but this was a good lesson also, and I, I'm not trying to rain on, you know, mm-hmm. anybody's parade or burst bubbles here, but the business is, this is not uncommon in the business. So I was very disappointed when I didn't get the gig and I was told that they had chosen the, the other bass player who they um, had already talked to me about, mm-hmm. but they really, really had dug my playing and whatnot. And, uh, and so... You know that was that was that the the there were a lot of positive things that came out of that. Um, one I can talk about it now with you, like twenty some years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I was able to meet Greg Bissonette, and that established a relationship. And he actually played one of the tracks I have here that I may play along with this. Greg, he played on my first CD. Okay, he played the, and my second one, he played drums. So I was able to continue this relationship with a great drummer such as Greg and. And it just, you know, it exposed me to the business at a young age and, you know, and 
you know, it's it's an interesting business. You know, you know, you can do all the right things and still things, you know, don't go the way you think they're gonna go. Uh, but the next day I auditioned for Ozzy, and that was another story. But um, all of them were cool, you know. I mean, um, but I really think, you know, also I auditioned for Alice Cooper. But I really think. You know, I don't think there would have been a more perfect bass player for Dave's band than myself because I grew up on that music and I had the the combination of being able to play, you know, lay it down mm-hmm. and also do some some of the 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 flashier stuff if, if you know they wanted to still have some of that. That's right. You know? Because they established themselves as that, you know, with Billy being in the band. You know, sure. they established that and you don't necessarily want to go backwards. Now, I know for a while there, Dave started to get into you know, <laughs> some more synth, uh, synth type stuff since ba- since bass. And I and I think that might have been some friction with Billy and things like that as well, too, because, you know, Billy can sit there and hold the pocket. No problem. But eventually, you know, like you said, too, being classically trained and stuff like that, you do want to cut loose a little bit without stepping on toes. But I think that's where Billy started thinking, OK, well, I think the writing's on the wall here. But they did establish themselves that way. So you could have you probably would have been a, an ideal candidate, number one being the, the uh, diehard Van Halen fan, you feel it. Van Halen is a feeling before you yeah. get into the technique. Yeah. And then the technique, yeah. which you've got. So, But you know what? Like the, the, they say cliches, uh, you know, uh, things happen for a reason. That's one of the you know oldest cliches ever. But I believe in that 100% because who knows what could have happened. You could have went on the road, could have been phenomenal, could have toured the world. You never know what can happen. Uh, you know, overnight success sometimes can change people. And for the good, for the, for the worse, sometimes horribly worse. Um, yeah. but look, look what's come out of it. You know, uh, great relationships. You didn't leave there burning any bridges. You've made some friends and I'm sure you've made more friends than just, uh, you know, the bisonettes, you know, the fact that people know your name now, you know, Dave would probably pass on your name to his people. Uh, I mean, it just, it's ripples in a really good positive way. So, yeah, sure. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's just a great experience. I mean, that's part of like, and, and, you know, we, we could talk about later, you know, I teach, um, privately and in colleges, you know, and that's, uh, you know, I'm very proud to be able to say I have that experience mm-hmm. and pass that on to my students. I mean, it's the real deal. And, you know, today some of them don't even know who David Lee Roth is, that's but true. a lot yep. of them still do though. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless of that, it, it's, you know, it, it's what a musician does. It's part of being a musician. Um, especially if you're going to be a side man, mm-hmm. um, it's part of the gig, man. Whether it's a, a whether it's a, a, a playing a bar gig, you know, with a cover band, or it's a world tour, or whatever it is. I mean, you have to go through that process, and it's. Um, I can't say it's you know, it's not the most enjoyable process to go through when you're going through it, but no. it's, it's a great feeling when you're finished. Cause you feel like you accomplished something, even if you don't get the gig. I mean, it's like, man, you audition and you, and you put it on the line and you, you learn the songs and you go in and you do the best you can do. And you've got X amount of time to do it. And, um, it's, it really kind of, you know, tests how much you, and then, you know, the other thing is if you don't get the gig and, and the rejection part, I mean, my, my classical bass teacher told me something when I was like 15 and he said, if you can't handle rejection, you're in the wrong business. Yeah. And I never forgot that. Yeah. And I, I was really good and I was sort of a prodigy of his 
And when he told me that, it kind of confused me because I'm like, what? Does he not think I'm that any good? Or, yeah, how could I be but, rejected? Yeah, but what he was saying is you could be the best, but there is still that chance that they'll say no, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so um, it's just, it's a great process. And, and I don't know if, if young musicians are going through that as much today as they were back in, in the no, 90s. No, they're not, and, they're not. In, in the 80s, you know? So uh, I feel in a way like they're missing out on that, whether they get the gig or not. I mean, that's kind of like, the that's the real deal. I mean, I only spent a short amount of time in LA, but I mean, the Ozzy audition was a cattle call, man. They told me it wasn't. Mm -hmm. But I walked. I couldn't even open the door to the to the studio where it was at. There was that many bass players in the room. Wow! And um, you know, you walk in a room and you got like twenty some bass players, and you may be really good, but still, it's a little bit intimidating. Sure, it like, is. yeah, oh yeah. And especially if you're in L.A. or a place like New York or L.A., I mean, some of these guys, are, you know, are really good. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're now not the fastest kid on the block anymore. So. Um, I don't regret any of the auditions I've done. You know, I think it's great experience, and, and for young musicians, I, I I don't think they're getting that as much today because there's just not as much of that. Um, yeah, it's the internet. But, like everyone's yeah. at home. Everyone's at home in front of their cameras, and you know, like, which is cool. You know, showing like they have a vehicle now. They don't necessarily have to go out and get a band, so they can do their thing. But there's there's nothing like that thrill of going, even if it's just trying out for a local band. You know, because the local bands have three, four guitar players come out, maybe more to try out. And you know, you beat that other guitar player, and you get the spot. You're like, I'm in the band. I I got this. I kind of won, right? And it's, mm -hmm. it's such a it's such a rewarding uh, accomplishment. But like you say, too, like back in the day, it's almost like kind of scars of, uh, you know, uh, battle scars. All these auditions that necessarily, you don't want really to say the word failed because you did, you did succeed because you impressed the people. And you just kind of, it's like a battle scar in a way. You, you learn from that. And uh, that's probably one of the things you can teach your students. All the chops in the world, uh, you, I mean, it doesn't matter. Even if you had the level of badge that says, I am the best in the world doesn't mean for sure you're going to get the gig. They might pick someone who's a little less chops. Maybe he's got longer hair or maybe he's got the look. You know what I mean? You know, well, I didn't want to say that, but that was kind of some of the situation and some of those, you know, I mean, I had the look back then too. I could show you pictures now. Mm -hmm. You know, I look like Randy Rhodes back. I mean, I had the, I had the look, but you know, still maybe not that, that look they the wanted look, for yeah. that specific band. Yep. Um, and you know, I was told that by a few, you know, certain things, not tall enough or, well, we kind of went with this guy. He has more of a, you know, I didn't have a real, I, I, I looked way younger than I was. So it was like, I didn't have like a real hard look. So if it mm -hmm. was more of a tatted up, you know, guns and roses type vibe, I wasn't the guy that there was at the top of the line for that as look wise, mm -hmm. but as a player, I mean, I could. I had this chameleon sort of way of being able to just mimic certain styles, even if I hadn't really grown up on certain things I could. But the Van Halen thing was something that I really did grow up on. So it was a part of my, you know, background. So that was a real, real important to me. Um, you know, Alice Cooper, I, that was a little bit before my time. That was my brother's uh, one of his favorite guys. I wasn't a huge fan of that. I didn't hate it. I thought it was mm -hmm. cool, but it wasn't really my thing. So when I auditioned for Alice, I mean, I learned schools out for summer and I sang the backgrounds and I slung my bass low and played with a pick, you know, and I went in there and tried to have the look for that. Um, but it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't my, wasn't really what I grew up on. So, right, exactly. 
But you know, if you're if you're open, that's another thing I tell you know a lot of musicians. You, you got to be open minded, and you know, to me today, if you're gonna play music, it's kind of like man, you know, it's just a it's just kind of a a, a special thing and almost like a, a a luxury to be able to play music and make a living. So it's it's almost more like you know shouldn't be so like well I'm this or that. It's just that. I could play music and get paid for it. Yep. I, I'm kind of like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> you know, so, um, and yeah. I just, you know, I always figured playing bass was better than not playing bass. So if it was a style of music that it wasn't really my favorite thing. I still found something good in it. And once I started playing, it, it's like, well, it's, it's me playing it. So it's, you know, I'm, in the moment it was cool. You know, it may not be something that I would listen to, over and over again, like I did fair warning or, or, yeah, you exactly. know, something, but, um, so yeah, it's just, and it helps you, you know, you can, you can draw from other styles when you think you, you wouldn't, you That's know, right. so. Well, one of the, one of the benefits of being a musician, um, Paul Gilbert said, this, this is a kind of a quote of his, I won't paraphrase it exact, or I'll paraphrase it because I'm bad at retelling quotes. But he said one of the benefits of being a musician, a guitar player, or whatever, is the fact that we are our own radio stations or our own jukebox. You know, right. uh, so I mean, if you get paid for it, that's awesome. But I mean, you know, you're bored, you're lonely, you're depressed, you're happy anywhere in between. Um, you grab your instrument and you have your own jukebox. Where do I want to go with this today? Uh, and then if we go out and play in a club as a single duo or band, we get paid for it. That's a bonus. On top of that, you make a uh, you know a huge living out of it. That's a, a bonus as well too. But at least we can entertain ourselves. I'm gonna jump over to the chat. We got a bunch of people jumping. I'm going to say hi to them and just let everybody know we only have an hour segment tonight just because um, we, we're going to be uh, we're kind of on the mercy of your school where you're teaching at. So we'll be wrapping it up at 10 tonight, but we'll try to get as much of the great content and we're going to pull a lot of my questions off the itinerary so we uh, can get more to the fans and to some more playing. But let's go say hi to everybody that's in the chat here as quickly as we can. Randy Vertries was in the chat uh, first and foremost, jumping in early. Carlos Santin says, happy Friday, everyone. Jim Dales is here. Terry St. Cummings, uh, Nocturnal Butterfly. My uh, better half is running the chat efficiently as always. Terry St. Cummings is here. Uh, Sammy St. Holmes, uh, Leon Moen is here. Wally Walters is here. Spencer K is here. Robert Ortiz, good evening, everyone. Uh, Spencer K, uh, Thomas Santiago is here. Hello, Eric, Brad, and everyone in the chat. Marcello Vieira from over in uh, Italy says, wow, uh, to think the Spanish fly on bass must be very difficult. And he plays in a band called Spanish Fly. Um, it's a, a tribute to Van Halen. So very, nice. very cool. So we're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, Johnny Lee Arnold is here. Nice to see you, buddy. Very, very nice. Uh, Michael Madea is here. Hi, folks. So here's a question um, from Jim Dales. He says, how would you say being from Detroit influenced your musical style? Local radio stations like Riff, which I love. I'm going to tell you a story about that in a minute how I discovered a band on that station, and you have a connection with that. But it says, local radio stations like Riff, etc., or even from southwestern Ontario with Canadian influences such as Rush. Good question. Great one. So, how has being from Detroit influenced me? Is yeah, that the main and, question? Yeah, kind of like how being Detroit and then the local radio stations, you know, Riff's an iconic rock station. Yeah, Riff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to listen, yeah. Well, um, Detroit influenced me um in a couple ways like i said i mean they're everybody that comes out of here in my opinion is soulful <laughs> whether it's rock or rap or 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 uh motown or what it is so um that was a big influence that whether whether i was playing with overdrive and shredding it still had to have some soulfulness to it mm -hmm. um somewhere in there and also yeah riff was a great station i mean I mean, even to this day, I mean, 
I put something on Facebook where I, I'm at my mom's and I turn on the radio in the morning and, and they're playing, uh, you know, 1984, you know, mm-hmm. Van Halen, uh, I'll wait, you know, I'll wait. So it's yeah. like, you know, I don't, I don't hear that. And I, I, I've been living in New York and I just don't hear, you know, and I always say kiss who is from New York, never wrote a song called New York rock city. Yeah. Detroit rock. City. That's great. <laughs> okay. So yeah. it's like, there's a reason why they wrote that song Yeah, and called it Detroit rock city. Also on the flip side, you know, was the jazz and, and the fusion. So today, yesterday I hear Van Halen today. I hear Stanley Clark on one of the jazz stations. Wow. Now this is what I grew up on. Sure. So when I was, uh, first getting into Eddie, I was getting into Stanley Clark at the same time. So I wanted to be Eddie Van Halen beat Stanley Clark. Oh, that nice. was what I wanted. To, that's who I wanted to be, like the two of those. So being from Detroit, it was almost kind of a perfect thing because it's such a strong uh, city for jazz, mm-hmm. but it also is such a strong city for rock. So um, it was, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm from here, so it just naturally happened. But now I think, you know, in retrospect, I go, geez, I couldn't have been for a from a more perfect place uh, because they can rock here, but it always has a soulfulness to it, you know, and the jazz scene is, is phenomenal here. So, you know, and I, and I, I play jazz also and was heavily into uh, Stanley. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I heard Jacob, I heard all that on the radio. Uh, there was a, there was a um, jazz station called WJZZ. Oh, I know it. I know was, it. And, yeah. And then there was riff. So I'd go back and forth between the two of those stations, you know? Yeah. And I'd hear Van Halen, then I'd hear Jocko, then I'd hear Stanley, then I'd hear Grand Funk Railroad, then I, you know, it was just, it was perfect for me. So uh, also, you know, I think there's a work ethic being from this part of the country, yes. blue collar kind of thing. And I didn't really notice that or even, I just kind of grew up naturally thinking everybody Subliminal. worked hard and practiced and didn't go out and play a show until they could kick ass and didn't do anything half ass. And... Then I went other places and it was like, what are these guys doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> Going through so, the motions. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny, you know, when you mentioned Stanley Clark, this is something, this is going to be a funny joke because no one on this show will ever uh, know. I've never said this before. Stanley Clark was an influence on me. Kind of like I've always talked about my mom. You know, she wanted, my mom wanted me to uh, listen to Chet Atkins and play like Chet Atkins and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But my, my sisters um, are 10 years older than me and they, um, are they 10 years old? No, they can't be. Yeah, I guess they're 10 years older than me. That's about right. Um, but anyway, twin sisters, and they both dated bass players. They've always dated musicians all their lives. And uh, they were bass players at the time. So when I'm a young teen, very, very young teen, they're both dating bass players who are very, very successful. Uh, some of them oh. went on to, one of the guys went on to be quite successful, um, but both into Stanley Clark. So, you know, I, they were teaching me school days on, on you know, I could, that's the only thing I could kind of strum on yeah, bass, yeah. you know? <laughs> That's all I can play on bass. Same for that, you know, because that's a guitar <laughs> well, player. That's better than uh, playing something else. I mean, I know. So I have a I'm, huge appreciation for that. You know, it's absolutely amazing. But here's where I was going to go with it. So that's a very, very good question from Jim, uh, and I'm glad you asked that because this sets up the next thing. So Gary Hoey is a is a guitar player that I love to death. He's um, we talked one time on the show, probably out of the 90 minute segment, we probably talked about. 60 minutes of just family and fun stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to talk about some music. And I really like that. (laughs) Now, Detroit didn't necessarily 
make Gary Hoey, you know, but Riff, uh, back Riff, in the, yeah. yeah, Riff had a lot to do with that. I don't want to say, I don't want to say how much, cause I don't know, but I, I want to say a fair amount. Gary would always do like the ho, ho, hoey thing. And that really built him up in, in this area here. And it was Drew and Mike at the time. Now it's Dave and Chuck DeFreak who are, you know, Canadians from, uh, 89X. But, um, I loved Gary Hoy from that moment and he became a part of our family. Like we didn't have Christmas, like, like went into the holiday seasons. So, you know, starting basically late November, we'd start playing the ho, ho, hoey stuff right to the end of the, to, you know, to Christmas time. But I had no idea that you played with Gary. So kind of, first of all, tell us how that gig came about. Was it accidental, whatever, and how long were you, uh, were you working with Gary? Yeah, well, that's why I sent, I sent you because I, I saw Gary was one one of the uh, guests that you interviewed and, and uh, yeah, he's been here a few times. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta let Eric know I played with Gary. And I'm embarrassed I didn't know that. I'll admit it. I was embarrassed I did not know. No, that's fine, man. Um, yeah, first um, when Gary broke out, I was living in California by that time, so I didn't really know his connection with Detroit. But he told me that. Uh, I believe it was Riff was was it was one of the first stations to play his his uh, ho 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 yeah uh, in rotation mm-hmm. and when he comes and plays here he usually does two nights um, which he normally does one nights other places so yep. he's still he's I have cousins that go were going to see him before I played with him they're like dude you're playing with Hoey <laughs> they knew more about Hoey than I did sure but I I definitely knew about Gary a buddy of mine was really into him with the low rider cover and all that. Yep. But, um, I hooked up through Facebook, man. It's just like, I tell these people too, you know, use this up like what we're doing now. I mean, I think social media is awesome if it's used in the right way. Right. I mean, if you already have a product, this is like the way to, you can get this out to so many people now. Back in the day, I used to have to write letters to Mike Varney and send him cassette tapes, yeah. you know, and put it in the mailbox and like hope he would listen to it, not lose it and actually answer me. Now it's like sh- email. Sh- and you can even video, see when he's read it. And it's like, and they got it there and they see your video and it's, it's just, it's like, if you have the talent and you have the goods, man, it's, it's so people are so much more accessible today that part of it so i i went crazy when facebook came out and youtube i'm like oh, i'm gonna contact everybody i ever wanted to play with <laughs> and i would send them my videos and almost all of them replied you know um and gary was one that actually you know some of them i'm not going to mention names but i auditioned for them via the internet mm-hmm. you know big name guys that you've interviewed and got you know um and that was all through me contacting them on Facebook and sending them my videos. Once you see a video, it doesn't matter how they saw the video, mm-hmm. the content, the goods are there. So yes. it's like I'm an experienced older player. So it's like I was playing before the Internet. So that comes through when I send a video. Certainly. So Gary saw a video. It was a Stanley Clark song I sent him, which is completely not the right song to send to a rock guitar player. But I was like, he'd appreciate it. He dug it and he said, I'm actually looking for a bass player. So I, I went up, I, I live in New York. I was living in New York. I went up to Boston where he lives and I did a show with him. And then um, I toured with him for a year, man. And um, and uh, yeah, we did uh, the Ho 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 E tour and then we did some West Coast stuff and then we did an AM show thing. A couple of AM that. shows I played with him at a Fishman booth and then I played with him at a club. And um, um yeah and then we're we're hoping i'm hoping to play with them again and, and to rehook um 
I really liked playing with Gary and, and um, not only um, as a guitar player, but uh, he, he did some very cool things that other musicians maybe wouldn't have done. Um, he let me sell my CDs on the gig no and way. promote myself. He gave me some nice solo spots that maybe some other people would not have done because not everybody's, you know, I mean, yeah. people are it's like, you know, it's my show. So he was very, um, very supportive of my solo thing. And he let me, you know, I got to do some of my thing. And, um, you know, that was a really um, cool thing for him to do. And, and um, I enjoyed playing with him. So hopefully I will again. Uh, but yeah, that connection was all through uh, Facebook, man. I just hit him up. Oh, you know where I saw, I had, hadn't heard about him in a while. And then I saw him on one of those rock and roll fantasy camp they were showing yes. him on vh1 or something yeah he does those a I lot go, oh i wonder what gary hoey's up to and I, and I youtubed and i saw a recent video of he did and it, and it was rocking man and i was like man i'd like to play with gary hoey so i, I got on facebook and, and he's like oh I, I actually need a bass player you know that totally sounds like the gary hoey i know i mean a generous generous soul the fact that he's letting you sell merchants up and stuff there that is is, is amazing. Yeah, I mean, he denounced it on the mic, and, and he gave me a couple solo spots, and um, you know, and then and then I hang, I hang, I hung with his wife and his kids, and and and, and I and I met his mom, hung with his mom and his sisters a few times, and um, you know, his really, boy, really, his... really liked uh, personally. I I I really liked um, you know, being yeah. around him. His son's so, kicking butt too on guitar. Yeah, yeah, his son was sitting in. When um, when I was playing with him, but, but now he's 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 like a he's a young man. Now. I know, I know, you he's know, as I've tall seen as Gary. Videos of, yeah, so he's he's definitely got the the same talent his dad has. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Gary was cool, man. You know, another thing I want to say too, which a lot of people don't realize. I mean, he's been able to 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 make a living and and maintain a career as a solo guitar player. That's hard. That is really hard. Yeah, really hard. <laughs> Not going to happen to too many people anymore. Unfortunately, it's just the 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 model, the business model. I mean, he's doing he's doing it really well. I'm not I'm going to know what label he's working with right now. I have his signed record off to the side, but I mean, you know, if you can do it, if you can build that machine and do it, all you know, kudos to you. But he got in at the time, um, and he's yeah. maintaining it. You know, he's able to maintain it. Right, he's able to maintain it. That's hard to do, man. Yeah, and. Um, you know that says a lot for anybody who knows anything about the business and especially instrumental music that is not easy to do to be able to still tour under your name and play your music you know yep you're not gonna have too many uh you know ingve mom scenes john petrucci's uh, joe satriani's anymore i mean a lot of the same guys that were the guys when probably you and i you know are from the same era those are still this guys, mm -hmm. you know, it's Vi, Satch, you yep. know, of course, Eddie's in a different, you know, he's in Van Halen, yeah, but, it's you a know, band situation, they, right? you know, and then you even got like McAlpine and Greg yeah. Howe and Paul Gilbert. And those yep. are the same guys that, that were there when I was, when I was growing up, you yeah. know, I know there's a lot of new guys, but really the guys that still draw are the same guys. That's so, right. You know, for Gary to be able to continue to do that is is really impressive. And and, and you know, and a couple other things, he he influenced me and uh, and motivated me, and just his stage presence. You know, like I can sometimes get kind of introverted and into what I'm doing more in the jazz fusion kind of guy thing. And I would say he would look at the crowd and, but not in like a 
like poser, you know, yeah. like pretentious or, or contrived. Like he, he's just, he's very, um, what he does is very natural and, and, and he's, he, he's, uh, connects with the crowd in a, in a cool way. And I, and some of that I, I try to use when I would go out and play, you know, and kind of take, take my eyes off of my base for a minute and look at the people and just kind of like, you know, realize that you're performing for people, you know? Exactly. I, I find that he feeds I mean, off you know, the he's crowd. He's been doing a long time. He's a very experienced seasoned guy. So, I tried to, you know, also learn some things from playing with them. Well, that's right. You know, one thing I could yeah. suggest to fans um, later on today after the show, uh, Google um, through YouTube, whatever, just look through YouTube, search for um, Brad Russell, Gary Hoey, Lowrider, and there's probably about seven, eight different really good versions. Some of the sounds better than other ones. And you'll one of the things I really liked about it, and th- I saw this in several videos, it wasn't just one, it wasn't a magic moment one night, it was con- continual. That you know, Gary would look over at you, and you you know when your bandmates they give you the stare of death, which is this scares the hell out of you. Like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Or they're looking at you, and if they're laughing and smiling, they're not laughing because you probably made a mistake. They're laughing because like, what the heck is this guy doing? It's just absolutely amazing. And Gary's body language, he's watching you, he's looking at you play, and then you that's when you get to do a bit of your solo, like you're talking about. And it's just you just you get goosebumps because it just feels fun. You feel like you're right there, uh, you know, with you guys, really enjoying that moment. But let's let's take it to another level. We've been we've been talking about all these guys that you've had the chance to audition for and play for and things like that. I want to finish off the last. We got about twenty minutes before we wrap up. I really want people to get a chance to hear you play. They've heard a little noodles here and there. So let's talk about. You mentioned earlier about uh, obviously loving Eddie Van Halen and the fact that you were so inspired by him that one day you said to yourself. I'm going to tackle Spanish fly. Um, so first of all, when did you, that, that's a big, that's a, you know, uh, big shoes to jump into. When did you discover the fact that I'm going to do this? And then what techniques did you kind of take to learn it? And if you want to play us any of that, plus any other, you know, little, anything you want after you answer that question, feel free. Oh yeah. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I even play it. Um, well, when, I mean, here's the deal. It's like, I heard Spanish fly was one of the first thing I, a buddy of mine in high, uh, junior high school. Yep. Played it, played it for me. I was kind of a late bloomer with Van Halen. They were already out for quite a while though. When I really got into them, I mm-hmm. think diver down was, was their album when I started to get into them. So I had to kind of backtrack a bit, but he played me Spanish fly. I think even before eruption. And that's what sold me, you know, on a, on a, on a nylon string guitar. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't quite know what he was doing, but I, I, I had an idea. Um, so I want, I always like from that point on, I wanted to be Van Halen on bass. And this is before I heard of Billy Sheehan. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be Van, Van Halen on bass and Stanley Clark or Van Halen on bass mixed with Stanley Clark on bass. <laughs> yep. So, um, I wanted to incorporate the techniques, but as far as learning it note for note, um, that was, that's it. I just learned that last year when I did the video. I mean, I, I learned it in a few days and did it, but I had been playing for a, a long time now. So sure. it's not as, I'm not going to say it's not hard. It's, it's hard, mm-hmm. but it's not as hard for me to learn it, to know what he's doing, of to course. play it. 
you know, to, to play, it's another story, mm -hmm. but to learn when you're younger, you, you don't even like, I, you would hear stuff and be like, I have no idea how we, how, you know, when people would hear, you know, they had no idea. I, I had an you know, idea then, but now of course I know exactly what he's doing, but to play it, you know, it, um, takes a, you know, a lot of practice and, um, it's Which like playing a, to me, it's like learning a Bach piece. Right. Like that is like Bach to me. First of all, because it's timeless, mm -hmm. that piece will sound incredible 300 years from now. If, if somebody, you know, pops it up, it's going to sound as incredible. There's nothing dated about it. There's nothing timely. It's just timeless. Mm -hmm. Like, like Bach to me, you know, um, would, would you say this? Here's a question. Just, I just want to see if you'd say yes to this. Would you say it's like interpretation? Let's say we're over you and I are over in Japan and we're hearing, you know, um, the, the native language being spoken and it's just going in one ear and out the other. We don't know what they're saying, but we have an interpreter with us and the interpreter saying, okay, they, they want you to do this. Okay, great. Now I got it. So now as a musician, you're hearing Eddie Van Halen do this crazy stuff and you're maybe you're a little uneducated, you know, not versed on the guitar or bass yet. You get some schooling over the years. Now you've got that interpreter being the knowledge. So so that's now you you couldn't learn it before because you didn't know how to interpret it. Now that you've got the skills, you can interpret it. Now you've right. learned it. And, right. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where it's at. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew what he was doing. So I, I incorporated some of the techniques early on, like, you know, the opening. That technique, I was like, man, that's cool. Yeah. I'm going to do that. So I just started doing it and my stuff and, and used it, you know, like... did that as an opening on Jeff Watson a track that Alan Holdsworth played on. Oh goodness. And, and it's called forced of feeling. And, and I think it went, I don't even really remember. It was like something like, so it, it's not, it's not as, as involved as Spanish fly, but I was using that technique and not a lot of bass players were using that technique. Mm -hmm. um, so I took the technique right away and started using it. Um, also, you know, the, 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 the triplet, you know, that, the it's like the, the quintessential Van Halen tapping it pattern is. when That's he right. does the triplets, you know, the, you know, you know, that's, yep. that's his thing. I mean, tapping is his thing. Anyhow, I, I know, you know, I'm sure, you know, people say he didn't invent it, whatever, but he. He owned he it. Brought, he brought it to a, a whole new level and, and brought it into rock guitar like no one ever did. But um, of all the tapping he does, the techniques, that's, you know, the one that's the most identifiable, in my opinion, is the triplet. You know, oh, the, yeah. the, the Weedly Weedly, the guys, yeah. the, you know, the guys, the older musicians I used to work with that couldn't do it. They'd be like, man, don't do any of that Weedly Weedly stuff. <laughs> you know, and it was like this. So, you know, I took that and did my own thing with it, I had some little little piece that I wrote and it went like. So I did something like that. That was like one of my first bass solo pieces. Okay. So I, I was taking techniques that he did, but also my whole thing was I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want to copy sure. somebody because I felt like I was never going to do it as good as them. And I wanted to be original. But after years, I was like, man, I really would like to do that. And then um, 
I have to say Derek Sherinian's uh, piano rendition of it was what pushed me over the edge Beautiful. to finally say, all right, I'm going to learn it. And I sent it to him and, and he actually shared it on his Facebook thing, which I thought was really cool That's of him nice. to do that. Yeah. He's an incredible musician. And I, I just, I think that dude is just one of the, he's in some ways I, I identify because of, um, but he's so into Eddie, but, but the fact that he did it on a diff- different instrument, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to really actually learn it because, you know, I knew parts of it and I knew the techniques, but I didn't learn it ever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is going to take some time. I mean, time in that it took, you know, a few days and I mean all day. Yeah. I, I just blocked out the day and I was like, all right, I'm going to learn this. And then, you know, I'm still practicing it to play it cleanly. I mean, sure. it, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's like, can I play this or, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean that kind of pushed me over the edge to, to say, okay, I'm going to learn it. Yep, I've always yeah. said I've always said when it comes to uh, to Van Halen, this, this is like Eruption as well too. Um, I'll, I'll play that one on guitar, and I always look at it. It's like falling down the stairs. You're going to fall almost every time you play it. You're, you're going to fall. It's where you're going to pick yourself up. Are you gonna Are you gonna fall and land on the second stair and you're you're, you're all good? Or are you gonna go to the bottom, break your collarbone, and land on the last stair, pick yourself up there? It's just okay. We're gonna go into this. I don't know if I'm gonna fall. If I am, I'm just gonna try to find my exit. And that's the thing with like Spanish Fly trying to do it cleanly. Sometimes it's better if you put more distortion on it. You know, yeah. it's just your mood, mojo, uh, people looking at you. There's so many factors. Your talent is only so much. And then we rely on other things outside factors like people appreciating it, cheering, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, sure. Who, who knows what, right? But I, yeah. I love the I love the fact that you've you've done that. And in a second, I wouldn't mind if you'd play us a riff. I forget the name of the song, but the one video you sent me, I think um, Nocturnal might have shared it. Yes, yes, she did. She did share the video uh, where it's you and the drummer in the studio. And I just and I know you had a lot of reverb and some extra effects on your bass and some distortion and stuff like that too. Oh, sure. Can you remember that did, one? You mean the Brazilian drummer? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Are yeah, you he, able to play he's some of that? Incredible. Well, I wanted to do a little thing. If I can do it with the loop. Yeah. Um, I wanted to show, you know, how I've used, you know, how Eddie's influenced me as a bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously by using these techniques that um, he kind of introduced to the world of rock guitar, but um, also, you know, conceptually, like, so um, that chime, I call them chimes. I don't know yep. what you call them. Right? I was coming up with little pieces where I... Right? So that's totally like, if you hear that, you can hear the Eddie influence there. Oh, yeah. So not, not, not only am I using the technique that he you know, that he used, but, uh, melodically, harmonically, he uses a lot of those kind of major thirds kind of like goes down and, yeah. does, you know, like, uh, women in love, you know, right. Love so, it. um, I love that. I love that sound, mm-hmm. that major chord thing where he kind of does, he's like, Screwing it up now, but that's okay. So he's using um, 
you know, these thirds. So, um, and, and major. So I wanted to like incorporate that into my songs, uh, my compositions. Um, so now with that, that piece that you were talking about, it's called Metal Improved. Uh, it's my, just myself and, and Achilles Priester, but the, the main part that's like the melody is, is using, it, it sounds like, like a, I guess. Now, if you listen to Van Halen, you can definitely hear that influence in that. Even though what I'm doing, I'm playing it on bass, and it's very much a, a heavier. There's a lot of parts to the tune that that are heavy and 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 go down to the low. You know, yes, low, low C sharps and low B. You know, more of a modern metal sound, but the chorus. I always bring in that Eddie influence that I have. To me, those chords almost kind of like what I like to Eddie would do these like more than bark, like, like power chords. Yeah. He would play yeah. these like cool voicings down low with, with, with overdrive. Yeah. You know, you know, he'd get these like cool, um, different, you know, like more than three, two chord or three chord power chord um, voicings. Yep. So I was trying to utilize that on bass, you know, like even though I don't have as many strings as a, as a guitar, I would try to utilize like four note, you know, or, or at least three. You know, kind of things that w w I was inspired to do that from listening to him, uh, you know, a lot on like uh, um Fair warning and and uh, diver down, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, what, what was the uh, cathedral and and uh, uh, Senorita, I'm in trouble. You know, this the the voicings he would do down lower with overdrive was really cool. There weren't a lot of rock. I never heard rock guitar players do that. You yeah, know? so that influenced me. So when I did this metal improved, I kind of did the kind of an Eddie. Uh, totally him so these little melodic like you know what I liked about Eddie too is like he's always he's very melodic when he plays even though he would showcase his technique it was only to serve the songs, you know, it wasn't, there were guys that came after him that tapped way faster and sure. but in my opinion, hardly ever as melodic, you know, and never really were the, the tapping stuff wasn't really part of the song. It was more of a check me out thing. Whereas with him, it was like part of the song, you know? Yeah. So I kind of liked those little, little tapping things, you know, that weren't like showcases, like eruption or Spanish fly, but were melodic and had a, a, a you know a lyrical sort of quality to them. So um, you know that's the thing. 
with him, the same I feel with Jimi Hendrix. Some people miss that Hendrix was a great, first of all, I thought he was like a poet that played guitar. I mean, yeah. he, he wrote some really, really amazing stuff, songwriting wise. And um, his feel was incredible, more blues than Eddie's. But but what I felt Eddie was kind of a continuation of that in a way that he, he writes cool songs and cool riffs. I mean, you can, you can listen to a whole Van Halen song and, and you don't really need the solo and it's still, you know, like. Right? I mean, you don't, <laughs> that's need, a awesome. you don't need a solo. Man. No. It's like, that's, that's cool just by itself. So, and then his rhythm playing, I got to finally see him live. I never got to see him live. I saw him in 2007 when they reunited with Roth and they yeah. went out. And just watching him and Alex play together and their 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 groove Synergy. was thick. Oh. Yeah. And it's like people miss that about him. Like his I mean, the people who really get into Eddie know that, but a lot of people just think, Oh, you know, tapping, but he's his tone and his groove and his his lyrical uh, mel- sense of melody, you know. That's right. You know so, what I you know what I tell I somebody. I try to pick up on that too. Yeah. You know what I tell some of these young kids when they come out and it's like, oh yeah, I like Eddie Van Halen. He's a great guitar player. He's awesome. You know, then they're, they're discovering him for the first time. I say, do you want to find out how good he is? You know, there's all these tracks on the internet, all these isolated tracks. You can uh, drum tracks, the bass tracks, guitar tracks. Download the isolated rhythm tracks, or even get the whole band tracks with the lead guitar removed. Do you think he's a good lead guitar player? Isolate that lead track and listen to what's going on. Then the kids are like, because you know the kids out there playing Eruption. You know, as you say, it's not hard to learn. Now, you know, I'm I'm going to excuse myself because I still don't know it right, but I can play most of it. Um, But the technique, you just have to learn how to do it. But the rhythm stuff, that's when I was like, okay, I, I need to just, I'm never going to attempt it. It's just absolutely crazy. And then it's that, that swing that he's got with yeah. his brother and thanks to his dad and thanks to some of the Motown from David Lee Roth and, you know, all those uh, things put into a big stew pot and stirred up. It's just yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. You know, all the components are there, you know, so, um, so I tried to, I mean, it, it just naturally happened, but I, I always... I always try to incorporate some of that um, melodic, you know, that lyricalness of his playing and, and um, you know, just yeah. conceptually what was happening and not just make it a, a showcase of, of chops, you know. You've certainly um, taken it to, the, to a level that we can all respect, but also at the same time feel the love that you have for Eddie Van Halen. So it's you, you hear the influence, but you don't hear Eddie Van Halen, which is cool. And that's that's nice that you've made your own stamp as opposed to being a clone, even though you're on bass guitar. Um, you're making your own stamp. You're making your own way, but still saying thank you, sir, for what you've done uh, for me as a musician. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's a little, you know, it's a little weird. Um, uh, some bass players are, get kind of bent out of shape when you play the bass this way mm-hmm. but i find it more in rock than in other styles um and they immediately uh, you know they'll kind of they'll kind of go to, to billy sheehan because billy's really the main guy you know doing that oh thing. there goes the lights let me hit the false harmonic maybe it'll turn the lights back on it worked last time uh, for us <laughs> no, it did work nope. <laughs> okay we'll have to get through but, it uh, but um any, hey, there you works. go. It's all right. Light show, uh, all from Hot Tap. <laughs> so, um, 
So they only really, they only, you know, they, they say, oh, you know, they only identify the tapping and the pinch harmonics or overdrive with Billy. But, um, but it's, you know, I find it interesting because when you move into jazz and fusion, a lot of uh, bass players are influenced by uh, horn players, mm-hmm. you know, pianists. Um, but as soon as you go into rock, it's like, oh, if you play with overdrive and tap, you're trying to sound like Billy Sheehan. And it's like, although Billy was a big influence on me and he's, he's one of my, was one of my heroes. But originally, like I said before, Eddie was, was the guy who I got, I, I got in the tapping seeing Eddie. And then I saw Stanley Jordan on yes. the Johnny Carson show. Yes. And then I wanted to do the, you know, the, like the two, you know, like, uh, separate lines yes. and more piano style yep. so he so it was two guitar players that influenced me to do that and i'm like well the jazz guys don't they don't have a problem being influenced by horn players but what in rock it seemed like it was a little bit um taboo like not quite as a not quite a gotta move up get up with the times a little bit evolve yeah. a little bit faster so i don't know um i just naturally was like well it, I think it sounds cool on bass if it's done right, and and um, it's certainly just cool music. And like I said, once you heard it played like Derek Sherinia played on piano, it sounded awesome. So I'm like, you know, if it can be played well, it'll probably sound cool on bass too. And that's a true sign of a of a, of a masterpiece, you know. I agree. Yeah. I agree. They can tell that it was yeah. written so well that it can be translated. Listen, we are at 10.01, and I certainly do not want to rush you, but I know you got to get out of here in a second. I was going to say hello and goodbye to the last few people in the chat and then sure. just ask you what's next. I, I definitely don't want to um, have you uh, overstay uh, there when they're looking to lock up. So Michael Madej is here as well. I'm not sure if I said hi to him. Uh, Chad Boston is here as well. It's good to see you, Chad. And let me see here. Wally Walter is here. It's an awesome show. Zach Thong is here saying, hey, Eric. Uh, sorry, guys and girls, I'm a little late in the chat. Uh, see if I miss anybody else here as well, too. Uh, Steve Bally is here. Great interview. Nice props to Stanley Clark. Very nice. Or Bailey, I think it is. Steve Bailey. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Um, great minds think I like that. So Michael Madej. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anybody else. I, I may have, and I do apologize if I did. I'm not the best uh, reader. But listen, what's next for you in uh, 2018? Are you And also, are you heading to Winter Nam? Uh, yes, I, I, I'm planning on going to Nam. Um, I'm hoping to play it. I'm a GHS endorser, uh, a GHS artist. So I don't maybe know at what their the right booth? term is, but yeah. I use GHS strings. I think they're awesome. And um, the people at the they're from Michigan, and I'm from yep. Michigan. That's right. another big thing. But um, I'm hoping to play at the booth there, um, and uh, maybe play at one of the base events. I, I sometimes. Um, I played at one of the bass bashes about four years ago, so that would be cool. So I would like to go, yeah, I'm planning on going to NAMM and hopefully playing. Um, and I'm teaching right now. I just finished teaching at Berkeley in Boston at mm-hmm. the Berkeley College of Music in the summer. I was teaching there. Um, that was awesome and would love to continue to do that. And right now I'm teaching at um, Detroit Institute of Music Education, DIME, Dime. Uh, in Detroit. And... Um, it's very cool. I'm, I'm, I have a small amount of bass students, but they're they're serious. I always find with bass, they're small but mighty, man. Yeah. If they pick the bass, they want to play the bass. It's <laughs> not like it's not like oh, I'll just maybe play it at a party for my friends or something. It's like no, I want to play bass. Yeah. So, I want to learn Seven Nation so, Army. 
Yeah, so yeah. I have some cool students, and when we're working on, you know, I teach a lot of fundamentals and stuff, but yeah, I mean, if people, you know, if you're interested, I, I teach via Skype or FaceTime, and um, can they contact you through your Facebook page? I have that. We have several yes, links. So it was, yeah, so in the, yeah, in the yeah. links below and nocturnal also put some in the chat as well too, but down in the description, we've got your Facebook. We got the uh, uh, SoundCloud. I think it was a SoundCloud link. You sent us through some stuff that you did with Joe Satriani, but contact Brad through the Facebook and reach out and inquire about bass lessons. And, uh, and I'm yeah. sure you'll reach out. I mean, I cover playing, you know, functional bass, like, you know, yep. playing in a, in a band and, and like, um, um, you know, uh, if a player wants to specifically work on the, you know, those techniques or how do you get, you know, I find a lot of people do ask about the, yeah, you know, how do you get those or, or how do they switch from overdrive to clean tone or, um, you know, there's, there's certain things that sometimes can seem a bit mysterious with, with those kind of tapping techniques and stuff like that. But, um, I clear that up, you know, I can clear up the mysteries, you know, and it's just, it's just, um, practicing this, you know, like any other technique, but you know, on the base, it's a little physically, a little bit more challenging. Sure. Um, but, um, yeah, I cover whatever, but I try to also emphasize playing you know, bass in a band. Cause that's what we're going to do. Most that's of the right. Time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, th those kind of things are, there's vibrato and just, you know, and just once again, like uh, listening, you know, to guitar players for that kind of stuff. You know, I listened to a lot to Eddie and Jeff Beck was one of my favorites. Yeah. And Steve Vai and, and my brother Kevin is a great blues guitar player. So just the, you get the bands. giving it the same vibrato that a guitar player would give it. Yeah. I find sometimes bass players don't do that. And it's like, in Why my not? opinion, it's a bass guitar. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, good way of thinking of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's amazing. I, I, I told people this was going to be a treat tonight. I hope everyone appreciated it. I'm sure they did. I know I appreciated it. It was oh, a man. real, a real talent. And I, I just got to say, you know, thank you to uh, Eddie Van Halen for, for bringing all of us. Everyone that's here tonight is here pretty much for that reason. Uh, I'm sure we wouldn't be here because it's all centered around Van Halen. I wouldn't have met you. I uh, wouldn't have yeah. met uh, these other cool people in the chat. It's just, it's, we're very, very thankful for that community. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a blessing. It, really, this, this guy continues to, you know, really inspire people bring people together now sure they're not necessarily playing maybe they're not going to play anymore who knows but the legacy lives on forever and that music as you say uh, uh, especially some of the original compositions i mean not an original but instrumental compositions especially are timeless yeah really are yeah yeah king edward that's right i, I cut out you know there was a cigarette i think there were cigars or something they were called king edward and uh, i cut out the logo off of like some match book okay and i put Eddie's picture up and put the King Edward logo. I had more print posters of Eddie Van Halen on my wall than I did bass players. Isn't that know? something? Yeah, I, I, I was really into Eddie. He was a big, big influence in a lot of ways. You know, also because he was so musical and had chops and was a, you know, real musician, if you want, if you will. Mm -hmm. And he was in like this, the biggest rock band of the time, you know, and I mean, David Lee Roth was the, King of Frontmen, and oh, yeah. he put on a circus of a show. So it was all of that, but they could play. So I was like, wow, these guys, this is it. 
you know, it was like, it was like the, um, the epitome of like what I saw as like the greatest rock band because they could really play, especially Alex and yeah, Michael man. Anthony is a great bass player. I feel like he was the perfect bass player for Van Halen. Yep. Um, and his vocals were awesome. Yeah. But that, 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 those three guys, you know, um, are a force. Yeah, man. Just really had a great feel. And Eddie just had, you know, all these incredible ideas. And he had the, you know, techniques that were, you know, something that you would hear more from a classical musician, you know? I agree. Yeah. Well, listen, everyone, uh, check out Brad's links in the chat below for sure. And if you're new here tonight, if you haven't uh, had a chance yet to subscribe, please do. I'd love to see that. You get notifications for, or turn on those notifications, um, and you'll get to know when I'm doing more shows like this, uploading uh, demo videos, all that kind of cool stuff. And um, be sure, be sure, obviously, to follow Brad. You're going to have a lot of fun. Check out what he's doing. We're wishing you the uh, the absolute best as you round out this last quarter of uh, 2018. And if you're going to be at NAMM, we look forward to seeing you. I'll stop by and say hi and bring in the boy. Oh, so yeah. That'd I'll be great meet to meet, man. Sure. That'd, yeah. be cr- that'd be cool. Yeah, maybe we'll jam yeah. some Van Halen. That'd be fun. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I'm brush you up on some. Yeah. No, hey, I have to brush up. <laughs> there you go, man. That's my favorite, that's my favorite one. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. Don't go away. I'll say goodbye real quick and let you pack up your stuff so you can get out of there. Uh, everybody, I am back again Sunday. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 12 p.m. Pacific uh, for the Helix Hour. Looking forward to that. Ben Adrian, sound designer uh, from Line 6 and Yamaha is on the show. Looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And everyone, have a fantastic weekend. Be safe out there. Have fun. And we'll see you very soon. And don't forget to check out all Brad's stuff down below in the description. Brad, stay there. We'll see you in two seconds. Everyone, have a great weekend. Until next time. Cheers. Take care, man. Hey, EVH Care TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. There are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.